You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to Orange and Blue Blood, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Talking about this big Knicks win. So the Knicks were shorthanded Wednesday night, but still put on a historic performance in Indiana. Knicks beat the Pacers. 138, 129, thanks to big scoring nights from Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, and Obi Toppin. They became the first Knicks trio since 1979 to score 30 points each in the same game. Quickly led all scores with 39. Grimes poured in 36. Toppin had 31. So the Knicks will go up as much as 14 in the third quarter. This was a game that was kind of a seesaw battle. There were a couple of times when Knicks got double digits lead, leads, including in the uh, third quarter. Indiana got back into the game and it was tight into the fourth about three quarters of the way through the Knicks had a big 7-0 run uh, when the game was tied at 120 to help put them ahead for good uh, Toppin had a pair of dunks Grimes hit a huge three and that was essentially curtains for the Indiana Pacers on this evening where they also were playing with a lot of their younger players a lot of their star guys out of this one Mitchell Robinson who I think kind of went under the radar I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, had a, also maybe one of his best games as a Nick. I mean, he had 14 points in this one, 16 rebounds, and seven blocks. So not only did you have the 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 lights out scoring from the young guns, Quick, QG, and Obi, but then Mitch also with a monster game as well. Uh, for the Pacers, it was Jalen Smith who led the team in scoring 18. Uh, uh, TJ McConnell had another good game. I think he had about 17 points. It was a very balanced attack for Indiana, but not enough to overcome the uh, the, the big-time scoring that happened from the Knicks young guy. So, Tommy, what does this performance tell you about this Knicks young court? Tells you a, a whole lot, EJ. I mean, listen, there was, you know, talk. Um, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about Donovan Mitchell over the next couple weeks as the in, in the lead-up to the Knicks-Cavs series. And one of the conversations, obviously, during that time, uh, uh, you know, dating back to September and the, the six weeks before the deal was actually consummated, sending him to Cleveland was, what should the Knicks give up? And uh, a lot of, you know, national pundits and, and fans of other teams and even fans of some Knicks teams scoffed at the notion that there was anybody untouchable on the, on the Knicks, on the Knicks roster, especially in regards to their young talent. Um, yeah. As we know, that wasn't necessarily the case because at different, depending on the reporting um, you follow at different junctures in the conversations, essentially each of the players was included in some version of the trade, be it OB, uh, RJ, uh, RJ Barrett was kind of the one consistent, you know, due to, you know, his stature is kind of the more established player. Um, but, you know, uh, it, specifically as it relates to OB, Quentin Grimes, and Emmanuel Quickly, those three guys, um, you know, were, again, were, were basically viewed by many, not all, um, mm-hmm. as you know ancillary pieces in a deal not worthy to be included as uh, significant parts of a, of a of a blockbuster trade for a superstar such as Donovan yep. Mitchell um, obviously nobody was equating them with Donovan Mitchell nobody predicted that they would be as good as Donovan Mitchell even at the highest point of their career um, but could they be valuable contributors you know good players on a good team um, and seven months down the road, we have some answers here. I shouldn't say we have answers. We have a lot of data to bleed right. us to what, what uh, you know, could lead, you know, what, what many would believe um, as the starting point 
uh, of players that are developing and certainly uh, uh, have an upward trajectory that would you believe that they can establish themselves as not just rotation regulars, uh, as good NBA players. We've talked a lot about IQ. Another game, another player where he was another game uh, and another instance of him being the best player on the floor. Um, you know, 39 points, nine assists, two turnovers. Um, granted, there wasn't, uh, you know, this was a, a, a basically a G League Pacers team. We're not yep. going to read too much into it. Um, uh, but, you know, listen, the numbers are the numbers. Uh, and, and Quentin Grimes, who has been incredible these past seven games, um, averaging nearly 25 points, slashing 50, 40, uh, 90. I, I mean, just you can't ask for what much more than he's done playing at such a high level, attacking the basket, looks bigger, stronger than his opponents. That's And I tweeted about it during the game, and that's because that's what it kind of reminded me of. The Knicks backcourt specifically, they should have. They are superior players to the guys that that they that 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 Indiana put out on the floor, and that's not to take anything away from uh, Andrew Nebhardt, who's you know been one of the you know really promising rookies uh, from yep. his class. Great pick by the Pacers. He's he's a good player. Um, Matherin's a really good rookie. He's going to finish probably second um, or you know in, in the top three in, in rookie of the year voting. He'll be a first team All NBA guy. Um, you know, promising young player taking nothing away from those guys. They are not on the same level as Emmanuel Quickly and Quinn Grimes. To me, it reminded me of the JV practicing against the varsity. Um, mm. uh, you know, like the, the 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 JV might have some really good kids up and coming that when the varsity leaves, high school is going to restock, and you know they'll they'll be. But they just look bigger, stronger, more confident. It just. They, you know, with swagger, they just felt like a different level of the different tier of player. Um, and I yeah. thought they manifested that, you know, right from the very start through the end of the game. And then in the fourth quarter, they said, okay, we're done playing around here. We're going to take over now. And, and that's what they did. Um, all that said, we've talked a lot about uh, uh, IQ and Grimes these past few weeks, these past few months, because of how well they played. To me, the guy I think we should spend some time talking about is Obi Toppin. Um, yep. I kind of focused on it in my newsletter today. Um, and my thought process was, there's an alternative universe somewhere. I know you love your movies, CJ. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Love Marvel. the Marvel universe. Yep. DC, I, I, we're getting to turn it around with James Gunn. We'll see how that goes. And th there's an alternate universe somewhere where uh, Obi Toppin is drafted by the Cavs. Um, mm. You know, uh, and instead of Isaac Okoro, Isaac Okoro has made 127 starts in his career. Obi Toppin has made 13. Um, there's there's uh, ten uh, nine players in the 2020 draft left that have made over 100 starts. There's 19 players that have made at least 50 starts. Kenyon Martin Jr. more than 50. Uh, Pokalewski wow. over in OKC 50, 67 or something like that. Yeah. Um, Theo Maladone uh, uh, 59 or something. Wow. Again, Obi Toppin has made 13 starts in his career. Um, the right place, right time. Not the right place, not the right time. Knicks draft Obi. They don't know Julius Randle's going to uh, you know em emerge as a you know, All NBA second teamer. Uh, that that first season, Obi uh, you know Obi arrives in New York. Uh, playing for Tom Thibodeau, who's going to play his veteran, you know, 39 minutes a game every every night. Um, again, uh, even when Randall struggled, Tibbs doesn't take him out of the lineup last year. Um, until the end of the season, Obi gets a crack at starting some games. 
plays really well. Next season, Randall back on top. Again, another All-NBA campaign. Um, and and Obi's forced to sit in the sideline. Um, and then when he comes in and plays his 12 minutes, to stand in the corner. And we never really get the full essence. We never really see what Obi Toppin could become. Over his last eight starts, dating back to last season, um, Obi Toppin is averaging 25.2 points on 58% shooting, 4.5 rebounds, 3.2 assists, mm. 3.7 made three-pointers. That's eight games. Not a big sample size. Not our one or two game sample size. Do we have to take, you know, those numbers? Should we take with a grain of salt the fact that those numbers were played late in the year, last April and this April? Yeah, sure. Do those numbers also indicate that there's a player there with a remarkable skill set, a combination of size and athleticism? Yeah, we got to do that too. So um, fascinating to think about what Obi could have been somewhere else. Might he become somewhere else if the Knicks trade him this summer or if he leaves in free yeah. agency a year from now? Um, all those kind of fascinating things to talk about. Um, but make no mistake, when Obi's been given the opportunity, the dude has played and played well. Um, so it's. Uh, I thought last night, you know, I, I will give everybody their flowers, um, but I thought yeah. it was important to point out that that Obi really brought it last night. I know one thing: any team calling for Obi Toppin on a trade. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Yep. Yesterday's price is not today's price. I mean, the only thing keeping Obi Toppin from being maybe a premier asset in any future trade is Julius Randle. I mean, and, and maybe Tom Thibodeau, I guess, maybe. Um, because you you have the numbers there. When he starts, when he gets real minutes, he produces. And it's not that surprising if you think of the guy the Knicks thought they were getting when they drafted him. This was a guy that was a national player of the year. This was a guy that people thought was going to run through the NCAA tournament. And he came into the NBA as a guy. He said, wow, this guy's already an offensive juggernaut. And he comes into the league. He's going to be ready, made, ready to go. And it yeah, wasn't. He was, he, he was 22 when he came in. You know, he wasn't a 19-year-old. Right. older player. Exactly. The reasons that, yeah, that, that they thought he'd come in and make a big impact. Yeah. Like, I remember I did a segment on my uh, New Generation Sports Talk podcast with my brother, Kendall. Actually, I don't think it was that. I think it was a, a YouTube video. But we were talking about ready. Who, who are college players that could play in the bubble at that time? And I think the number one guy we had was Obi Toppin. We're like, this guy could play in the bubble right now. That's how good he is. That's how mature he is. So what you're seeing now in, what is this, not his third year in the NBA? is not surprising. I mean, this is kind of who he was supposed to be. And it's only because of Randall's ascension and Tibbs messing with the minutes, messing with the role is why you don't get this guy more often. I think what it tells me is, number one, what I've been saying for a long time is, these are the good old days. Like the Knicks are in a position now with the young players they have and the assets they have around the team beyond just the young players and the stars, the picks as well. The Knicks are going to be a perennial winner. Like I, I, I and that, that, that it, maybe that doesn't sound bold, but when you think of what the last 20 years have been, like that's pretty oh, bold no, no, to no. say. That's, that's, that's bold. That's bold. Yeah. But like, to me, like, this is like, this is what you have. I mean, you lose your top three guys, arguably, definitely your top three scorers for sure. Yeah. And you go to the game against the Pacers, that should be – and then well, it was a close game. It wasn't like they blew up the Pacers. Right. But, like, that's a game where, like, all right, this is a pick em and, you know, the Pacers really might be able to win this one. And not only do you win, but you win leaning on the three young guys going out there having basically career nights. Almost all three of them, IQ was one point off of his career high. Like, that, that – that's – I'm not going to take a lot from the Pacer game. I'm taking a lot from that performance individually from those guys and saying those are – 
premier young talented players and as long as those guys are around either the Knicks are going to get a lot of good players for those guys or those guys are going to be contributing to Knicks winning basketball so that is a very exciting thing I think the second thing I take away from this is Toppin and Toppin is the story even though I know QG scored more I know IQ scored more we know those guys are going to be around they're not going anywhere unless there's some LeBron James wants to be traded something like that OB is interesting because you watch the way the Knicks play with him in the starting lineup and not Randall. And it's a different style of offense and Randall's productive. So it's not like I'm not even going to say they're even more productive per se, but they are, I think just as productive and they seem way more free flowing. They seem way more athletic. They get up and down the court like OB. They, I saw some great clips online. Shout out. I, I don't remember who did this one, but shout out to all the guys who do great job cutting clips on Twitter. Uh, like Obi simply just like get the ball and just swinging it quickly. How much that gets guys open looks because Randall will get in and hold it. And, and that, that changes things. Like if there's a world, you have an alternate world where Obi Toppin is on the paths. I'm still wondering about this alternate reality where Obi Toppin is still the starting point of power for the Knicks and Julius Randall is not here. Now, I don't know what you could get for Julius Randall for a trade. I'm not even suggesting yet that this is the option that they should go with, but you look at top and you know he's going to be cheaper. You know he's younger. You don't have the whatever the temper thing you want to call Randall. I don't want to make it bigger than what it is, but it is something. You don't have any of that. And you have Randall on a relatively movable deal. Like, I wonder at what point do you seriously consider, hey, maybe we can get a lot more for trading Julius Randall. And maybe we pair Randall with RJ and we get like a superstar wing or, you know, trade just Randall and you get a star wing. Instead of trading RJ, or maybe you combine them, or trading Toppin in the deal, that you know it's kind of like answer. You trade Toppin essentially to make room for maybe this Maverick draft pick that's not going to be the stretch four come off the bench. I think this is a serious question to have because every time Obi Toppin starts, he looks like a future star. Hey, that's what that's what it is. We can talk about when it's happening. We can talk about who it's against, but there's no denying that when he plays like this, he looks like a future star. And the idea that. You're talking earlier in the year about should we trade him for Jared Vanderbilt in the first? Like, like that stuff sounds crazy when I watch the way he plays uh, when he starts. And and then I think that's something that that's the takeaway for me is is what do the Knicks do at power four? I still don't know. The answer is still not definitive to me. It's a fair point. It's a fascinating topic of conversation. Um, the other thing is the reason you know he's talked about for you know Jared Vanderbilt and a pick is because yeah. when you see him play twelve minutes a night, he there's there's weeks where he, he doesn't make. Yeah, he, he can't do this in playing twelve minutes. Yes, yes, and and so if he did this, could the Knicks win consistently? Uh, it's all those are are questions that are unanswered, unfortunately. Um, you know, and you think you know the Knicks front office and coaching staff would have a better feel of it than than anybody else. So you know, but but you know when Randall's playing at an All NBA level, it's really difficult uh, for him to give him minutes. Um, so it's it, it it there's there's just so much there. Um, but it uh, is one hundred. You're not doing your due diligence as a front office if you're not at least contemplating. What's the if the what's the net result? What's the greater net result? We trade Randall and we take a step backwards because 
as no matter how well Obi plays, I'd be shocked if he averages 24, 10, and 5 mm-hmm. um, and, and, yeah. and performs at, a, at an all-NBA level. Obi's not a good rebounder yet. Yep. Obi's not a good defender yet. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like you're taking Randall out of the lineup and putting in some stud, you know, versatile defender um, uh, in, in Obi Toppin. Um, but, to, you know, from the, from, the sm- from the body of work we've seen, the games he started, the games where he's played significant minutes, his college, uh, you know, his senior year at college, um, every all those things tell us um, that he could be a part of a very productive, high-functioning NBA offense. Um, you have to cover for him a little bit defensively. Anyway, so you, there's so that that's the conversation you have. We take a step backwards a little bit. You know, is it fifteen percent less? Is it thirty percent less? Is it three percent less? Is it? 45%. You take a step back with Obi, but then we add whatever we're bringing in return for Obi. Um, and this new roster, is that better than taking away Obi, losing the piece and the and the and the upwards and the ceiling that, that Obi presents? Also an insurance policy, a breaking case of glass, but eventually you're gonna have to pay him. So you, you're gonna lose that insurance policy at some point anyway. Um, you know, but you know, if you trade away Obi and you're essentially selling low, I think most people would agree. Um, somebody else is gonna probably reap the rewards of him, you know, uh, of getting him at a discount. Um, these are fascinating questions um, that the front office would obviously not going to have it now and they're not going to have it two yeah. weeks from now. And hopefully they don't have it another month from now because they're right. just yeah. in the second round. But at some point this summer, they really have to sit down and say, do we sell high on Julius Randle or do we sell low on Obi Toppin? And that's a fascinating discussion. And you know what really accelerates that conversation? As I've talked about, and you know, shout out to Brandon Tyranny. I was working on Tiki and Tyranny earlier today, and he made a great point. I mean, Randall, you're talking about a a reevaluation of his ankle essentially right before the playoffs. Um, we don't know what that's going to turn out to be. The yep. reevaluation could be he needs another week. He needs another two weeks. Yep. Like, who's to say Randall doesn't play the first two games? Something I posted on Twitter. The Knicks don't go into Cleveland with Obi Toppin in the starting lineup. Obi lights it up. They steal a game in Cleveland, and you come back now 1-1, and now Randall is back in the lineup. Maybe they take two games in Cleveland. Maybe Randall doesn't play in New York. What if you sweep them or get in five games or beat them in five games, and now you have Obi Toppin, who was the guy who was playing during this time? That's a scenario where I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I think then the Knicks would seriously – I don't think this is like – this has been a conundrum. I don't think the Knicks have taken very seriously. I don't think they've been serious about trading Obi Toppin. I don't think they've been serious at all about – trading Randall at any point or even dealing with the issues he's had at from time to time. I think that if that were to happen, and I think that it is on the table just because of Randall's health right now, that will now make that conversation real and how they swing that. I don't know, but that would be the scenario where you say, okay, this thing that I think a lot of the fans think is a high priority. I think the Knicks would say, okay, now this is also a high priority for us. Yeah, I mean, listen, and and keep in mind that he that Obi was one of the few Knicks that played well in that Hawks series in the postseason yes. two yes, years ago. As a rookie, he the, the one game he played more than twelve minutes, he scored thirteen points. Um, you yep. know, and and the thing that you like about Obi is it's is a safe player in the respect that 
he's not you're not relying on him to take 19 23 shots a night he gets his points you know when where he can get them yes he's developed a three-pointer which is something he didn't even have you know yeah. much to speak of coming into the league you knew he could dunk you knew he, you know he, he led the nation in dunks uh during his final season at Dayton um you know he's one of the league leaders one of the uh, uh leaders in NCAA points in the paint um yeah. you know while at Dayton so this is a guy that really was a force um kind of as the focal point as the hub of, of the Dayton offense now he's kind of an ancillary piece on the Knicks he'll get at these buckets in transition and and you know get them off cuts um that wasn't the case uh with Dayton so um yes just to, just a, a really really fascinating the, the, the and and as you know the Randall injury really um makes it even that much more fascinating to see how the first couple games of of the of the uh the the round one series against the Cavs play out let's say even if Randall comes back for game one because yeah. you know he wants to rush back and avoid this conversation if possible um he tweaks his ankle in in game one and isn't fully healthy comes back and they lose game one he, he sits out game two and game three and Obi plays well there's just so many different things that could go on that 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 could really make this interesting I know for I don't know for a fact but I would surmise that it would not surprise me Randall saw that performance in Indiana and got right into that cold tub got whatever treatment he needed that moment because he's like uh there's a guy here who if I'm not out there, he could put up the offensive numbers I can put up. He may not be able to rebound or, or defend or when Randall wants to, or, you know, dish out assists the way I do, but he could score the ball. Uh, yep. We've seen, oh, we had big games last year. We saw him have a big one in Indiana. So that was great to see real quickly before we move on. You feel comfortable about Mitch getting back on track on this one? Like this was, I thought, uh, I think child to Tibbs because I think he was right when they asked him about the, Guy scoring 30. He said, I want to first talk about Mitchell Robinson. That was one of his best games. I agree with him. A hundred percent. The crazy thing is the Knicks had those three guys score 30 plus points. The best all-around player in that game was 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 Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. Second player in Knicks franchise history to grab more than 15 rebounds and block more than six shots in the same game. Uh, the other guy, as you as you might have guessed, is Patrick Ewing, um, who's, who, who did it four times. But um, Mitch was as active as I've seen him all season. Um, he just looked like a man-possessed bully ball, yeah. taking shot, taking blocks away from guys, just catching it and passing it. Just had a look of disdain. Like, don't bring that in, you know, like, right. the, I'm, yeah. I'm different, dude. Like, uh, this is me right now. You know, he just played with a, an extreme confidence. Um, we talked about how he wasn't, didn't look 100% after he banged his knee um, a couple weeks ago. He looked fully healthy. Um, and it, I honestly, I, I think it'd be a good idea to sit him these final two games. Let him, let him rest, put, put him in bubble wrap because we know he's, he's prone, he's injury prone. And just let him enter the postseason playing as confidently. Because again, circling back to that Atlanta series, Knicks didn't have that. Knicks didn't have, you know, a, a, a dominant interior Mitch Robinson, um, you know, d during that Atlanta series. He, he, if he can play on par with Jared Allen and, and Evan Mobley and kind of neutralize those guys a little bit, I mean, it's it's impossible to overstate his importance. If he can play like he did last night, and he and he's and and that wasn't the first time he's had those type of games no, and yeah. those specific skill set. But he had a lull in the middle of the year here when Hardenstein really kind of eclipsed him in terms of uh, production and importance from the center perspective. Um, but you know, back in December, January, he was playing at a very high level as well. Um, and we know the Knicks are going to score. Um, they actually jumped up ahead of uh, Denver last night in, in terms of offensive efficiency on the 
season. They're wow. not now top four in the NBA. Just the scotch behind the the, the Celtics. I mean, who, who would have thought that that was going to be something you would have saw if you talked about that prior to the season? Like it's unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, so we know they're going to score. Uh, the question is, can they defend? Um, at, at a really high level, and that's obviously what you're going to need to do against a, a high-powered Cleveland offense. Um, and the key to that back line, obviously, is Mitchell Robinson, who can cover up all types of mistakes. Um, and even when you have elite defenders on the wing, um, if you're playing, uh, you know, a, a, the trio of IQ Grimes uh, uh, and Hart, they're still you, when you're playing a guy as good as Donovan Mitchell um, with a really good point guard at his side and Darius Garland, there's going to be cracks in that in that perimeter. They're going to get to the basket. Um, so if you can have an elite shot blocking presence and somebody who can rebound on both ends of the floor in a healthy, motivated, uh, happy, you know, just that that Mitchell Robinson, that really changes the, the, the dynamic of the series. Mitchell Robinson will be crucial for the Knicks' chances in the postseason in a couple of weeks. So Knicks win uh, 138-129 over the Pacers. And 